0: Welcome to my YouTube channel guys. Super happy to be here. This is an exciting episode for me to get into because I got my friend Don Thornton here and he caught my attention because he is one of America's top short sale investors. For those of you who know my story, when I re-entered the world of real estate investing in 2012 after the financial crisis, I was a short sale investor. And so I made millions of dollars in buying short sales. In fact, uh, a, a large chunk of my wealth came from pr- properties that I bought in 2010, 11, and 12, and, and I held those properties until 2019 when I sold them for a you know 10x exit. And so I'm super excited to get into the world of short sales with you. And then I also understand that you help folks understand how to minimize their tax burdens. And so, Don, we're going to get into all of that. Great. But- f- Before any of that, guys, make sure you check out the links in the description because you are going to want to subscribe to Don's YouTube channel. He is a wealth of information and somebody that you should be getting to know, somebody that you should be tracking, and someone whose content you need to be consuming. Don, welcome. How are you today?
1: I'm doing fantastic. I'm so excited to be here today.
0: We're excited to have you, man. So, uh... Wind me back, tell me how you got into the world of short sales and how did you become one of America's top short sale investors? Because for those folks who don't know the game of short sales, it's a long game. I mean, it takes Mm -hmm. time to get a short sale approved and you gotta have a lot of balls in the air to make this a business model. So so explain this to us, walk us through how this happened and how you're managing to create (laughs) an incredible business model out of working with banks in short sales.
1: Well, I got started out of sheer desperation because I got fired from my job. And <laughs> broke. I decided that I decided that I wanted to be a real estate investor. The question was what what strategy uh, talked to me, sang to me, as you would say. And there's just something about the idea that I can create equity for, out of thin air, thin air, just by negotiating. To me, that went right. out to myself, you know, every single most. Most of their investments you, at the time, I didn't really know too much about wholesaling, but for me, I thought to myself, okay, well, you fix and flip, you know, or you buy and hold. And then the short sale was like, this is interesting because I have to risk money, either my money or other people's money when I do a fix and flip, Correct. whereas in a short sale. The profit is being generated just by sheer ornery and negotiations ability. And I just thought that was fantastic, a fantastic business model. And you know, I'm not saying it took me. Uh, I just like just like that, I did it. I mean, it took me a good two years before I got my first closing. But when I did, I went up like a rocket. You know.
0: Understandable. And so, you know, Don, it's it's an interesting dynamic negotiating with a a bank in a short sale because it's way different than the emotional negotiation that can happen when you're going direct to seller or when you're negotiating through a fiduciary like a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. There's all there's human elements involved. And what's different about working with a bank is that typically they have asset managers or people in departments who's who, who aren't really financially at stake. They don't have any skin in the game. They're not compensated based off how much the bank loses or how much the bank doesn't lose. They really uh, – their job is to get the asset off the books. And right. and so essentially, if you can build relationships with these individuals, you might be able to do better. So, so how does this game of negotiating and finding these short sales work? What's the
1: process? Well, you know, the process that we started doing in 2003 and continued in 2004 is nothing like it is now, right? I mean it's – <laughs> it's like comparing a Model T to a Tesla. I mean, it's that it's, you had to be so much more sophisticated now than you did back in the day. But I would say that the key element for our continued success is that we reverse engineered everything from the point of view of the negotiator. You know, the the, the one person that's going to say yes, we recommend this to you know this this offer be taken, or they say no, because you know for people who don't know about how short sales work, I mean, you get you can get the negotiator to say yes. It doesn't mean you're going to get a short sale. It has to be submitted to the investor, whoever owns right. the mortgage for final approval. And so we made it, well, I guess there was two principles. Number one is we did not want to be too greedy on our offers because that just burns bridges. And second okay. of all, we said we're going to give everything that the negotiator needs to get this file approved Quickly and reasonably and every single thing that we provide we have documentation I mean you know we're I'm not not exaggerating we will submit 70 80 pages worth of documentation reports about every single thing there is in the short sale so all that negotiator has to do is just click check off boxes and that person has a a done-for-you basically uh, file that can be submitted to the uh, to to the to the uh, uh, the lender, or like actually, the, the owner of the, the mortgage to get it approved.
0: So, what's the length of time in, in compiling a file like that? I mean, if you're, you know, for me, for instance, when I'm uh, looking at making verbal offers as a wholesaler, right, mm-hmm. I, I, I teach thousands of folks across the country mm-hmm. how to find opportunities, possibly from the MLS or through working with agents and other wholesalers. Mm-hmm. And of course, for us, it's always a volume, right? You yeah. want to get out anywhere between five to 10 offers a day, whether mm-hmm. they be verbal or written. And if you do that, you can carve out a business where you're making, you know, five to seven wholesale transactions a month. Where if you're making ten thousand dollars a deal, you can make fifty to seventy k a month, which is not a bad living. You oh. know, you, you, that's a that's a tremendous opportunity. But when you're talking about compiling eighty pages, right? Yeah. Like, how long does an offer take, and and how many of these offers get approved for the time uh, commitment? that of
1: requires? Them, most of them do get approved. I mean, you, you you're going to have issues with VA. Just because, you know, you get a bad VA appraisal, then you're dead for, you know, four months. You just, you're not, you can, you know, your value disputes aren't as as uh, promising with VA, unfortunately. But I would say that, you know, it's it's a combination, right? I mean, when I first got started, I mean, I'm, I'm like a lot of old, old school short sale people, we met the appraisers and the BPO agents at the property and did our best to schmooze them and so forth. And it was easy. But after the reforms uh, that were instituted with short sales after the Great Recession, when people like us are making millions of dollars doing this, you know, they tighten it up a little bit. And it's, but you know what? You can still do it. And we start when we get the property. We start when it gets into our, our pipeline because at that point in time, we are putting together the preliminary uh, file or preliminary documentation for the appraiser. Okay? Then we add on, if we don't hit our number, then we add on even more during the value dispute. And then once we know exactly what the bank wants, and we try to chip away as much as we can, we still try to get it down a little bit lower. And that's when we add more documentation to it. And so it's a process. So it's not like when you when you get a short sale pipeline, you immediately spend some time getting a report done, and you're, that's it. I mean, it's 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 a. Uh, I mean, like Hillary Clinton said back in the day, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, it's like it takes it takes a process to get to that point where eventually when you submit the offer for final approval that you already have everything in place.
0: Got it. And so are you doing this as a real estate agent? Are you doing this as a private investor? Like what's your angle when you're approaching the asset negotiator?
1: Well, I have a partner who's a broker. So we've been working together okay. for 16 years. And so she's the one that's actually, you know, uh, the, the face of the negotiation. Because I'm my organization, my is more about the about the acquisition side of it. Okay, so, so you're
0: finding the initial lead.
1: We're getting the we're getting the properties in the pipeline. Yes,
0: understood. Yes. So let's talk about that. Where where do those properties come from, and 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 how how many of these can you create in a in a month?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, obviously, everything changed after COVID. But February twentieth was the was the last month here in Florida where we were able to have a full month without any kind of you know mortgage uh, or excuse me foreclosure for, uh, moratorium. But if you remember, the economy was still good. the The uh, real estate market was hot still. It was even back then. It was still going well. We right. got twenty six foreclosures just in Florida alone that month, and that was just that was a combination of referrals and uh, just. Contacting people in the, in the fresh foreclosure filings in, the, in all the courts, and you know, the, the COVID, of course, when they when they shut down, when they hit the moratorium, that really challenged us because we lost one of our most uh, one of our steadiest ways of getting the uh, foreclosures in pipeline in Florida was was through the through the courts, but we basically had to pivot and we went really really hard on talking to wholesalers. We really decided, you know what, they're the ones beating the bushes down. We're going to do that. We also talked to agents about, look, you know what, do you really want to handle a short sale? Why don't you just give it to us? I'm going to give you 25% commission and so forth. So uh, that really uh, caused us to, you know, it's a good thing because it, we diversified. Whereas before we kind of got a little bit lazy because it was just like casting your net into the water and pulling fish in. I mean, with, with the courts because you know, we were so good. And, and listen, uh, not many people. Can say they've been doing something since 2004 and have an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau since 2004 and have that kind of volume, it really makes you stand out from the competition. And Absolutely,
0: you know it's interesting, right? I as the as the market has done what it's done. There's a lot of folks, even the ones who are in foreclosure, they, they're positive in equity, right? And mm-hmm. so a, a guy like that isn't really somebody that you no. necessarily do business with, right? No. So you're looking at somebody who is over leveraged on yes. their property.
1: Yes. And so are these
0: newer mortgages or, or you know, what's yes. the yes. What, what's the timeline of, of what makes a good candidate for well, a deal for you?
1: I mean when we reach out on our cold marketing for the foreclosure list, I mean our first question is when we ask we, – we say we have to make you an offer and they say, well, what is it? I mean, we automatically go to what we call the magic question. Do you owe more than what the house is worth or do you have equity? Because we want to know right then. We're qualifying right then. Where are they? If they say, no, I don't have any equity. I don't have much. then we know it's a short sale. So we go immediately to the short sale script. Okay. If it's an equity deal, I, it's not like I don't, I mean, it's not like we don't do deals that have equity. I mean, we do a lot of subject to deals. It's just mm-hmm. that we, you know, we were, we feel like our profit. Is in the short sales because we can control the negotiations whereas you know and right now lately uh you've got i mean realtors are like sometimes they they're desperate to get a listing they'll, they'll they'll discount their commission like you wouldn't believe and so you know for a, lot, a lot of people go for that so we found that it was just we get more bang for our buck maybe a little bit being a little bit more uh selective on on focusing more on the short sales and if we can't get a good subject to deal then we'll just you know move on to the next basically but once we once we've qualified that they are upside down then what we're going to get them nine times out of ten we get that we get that short sale in our our pipeline
0: i think it's brilliant i mean i i've seen a lot of people you know what they what they do is you know as wholesalers that they're going out and having conversations with homeowners Mm -hmm. and they're seeing if there's a problem that they can solve and they're always looking for equity, of course, right yeah. or an opportunity or for potential equity, right so right. if there's a if a renovation can be done and, and mm-hmm. value can be added and there's a potential gap there, it's a great wholesale opportunity right but what's been happening is a lot of these newer sales or the people who purchased in the last three years, they've have good mortgages attached, but they're still upside down because they, they bought at very, really high prices and yeah. right now the market's kind of doing this right mm-hmm. so this this opportunity for what you do is is right in fact um but what people have been doing is they've been converting those into short into subject to deals yep. where they're taking over a note mm-hmm. where you know really they're buying they're taking over a note that's that's a lot greater than yes. the than the actual property value so that they can cash flow it doing like wow. a short-term rental or mm-hmm. a corporate rental now again for me as a conservative investor, I, and I, you know, my, my my one of my best friends and closest collaborators, Pace Morby, the founder of Sub Two, right. you know, he teaches this strategy, and it works for a lot of folks. They mm-hmm. they assign these deals, or mm-hmm. they sell them to buy and hold investors who cash flow them, or mm-hmm. short term rental investors who cash flow them, and and it, the opportunity works. Mm-hmm. I personally, however, wouldn't buy a deal like that because I I I'm not a fan of collecting leverage. I'm not a fan yeah. of of taking over notes, especially when those notes may be worth more than what the property value is. And so going this route of possibly negotiating a short sale would be an, you know, an advantage for me. This would be something that I'd be wanting to do more of than yeah. taking over property subject too. So people in the astro-flipping community who are watching this, mm-hmm. they're having conversations with wholesalers and agents all day. And these these types of scenarios where you've got a house that's upside down mm-hmm. slightly... Uh, pops up then you know the the realtors don't even want to deal with it because there's no way for them to make a commission. Right. Right? they so they're they're like the agents are are, are pensive. They're it, it's not really worth their time. Mm-hmm. And so walk me through this Don. What would the what would the process be, right? So a wholesaler has an opportunity, how do they how do they work with you? What is this what does this whole thing look well, like? And, I tell and, and, them
1: I tell them, especially here in Florida where where I'm where I'm you know that's where the the hub of my business has always been. I say look just when you're when you're doing your normal marketing, your prospecting, just add that question in there right away, so you know if it's a, if it's an equity deal, do your wholesaling thing. But if they don't, say they don't have much equity or they're upside down, then that's when you say, you know what, you sound like you need a short sale. My partner has been doing short sales for you know 20 years. You know done well over 3,000. You know A plus of the Better Business Bureau, whatever. Why don't I get him on the phone? And so I tell them, so and that's I, it. I don't want them to do anything more because the more they talk, the more they'll screw it up because they don't know, they don't know the short sale scripts and I don't want them to. It's like, you know what, just <laughs> pass them to me and then we'll sign a joint venture agreement. We'll do all the heavy lifting and then, you know, we'll, we'll do the exit strategy and, and make money in and, and, and move on. And what I'm also doing, and this is a niche that we've, we've had a lot of success with lately is, you know, there's a lot of people that are, you know, foreclosures are being filed. And it turns out that, it, you know, the, the homeowner passed away. And, and you'll see the LP, the list pendants say, you know, heirs of or this or this person as personal representative or whatever. And so usually if they hit the foreclosures, then, you know, there's no money there. There's no easy right. equity there. Most likely they're upside down. And so people automatically assume, well, the the person's dead. You can't do anything about it because you've got to do probate. But you can do a probate and a short sale at the same time. And there's even more motivation for the banks to give better deals because they know it's going to be a real estate owned uh, property soon. And, you know, here in Florida, I mean, the longer a property stays vacant, the more the mold's going to build up. You know, <laughs> that's just the way it is. And they're going to have m- more cost the longer this property stays out there. So we use that to our advantage. And we, you know, we have an attorney we work with that can do the, sh- the probate as we're doing the short sale. So why not, right? And it's like nobody goes after those houses and we do. And it's a really good niche for us.
0: That's a, that's brilliant, man. I I I'm always looking for new tools and new ways for whole, the wholesaling community to add another tool to their tool belt, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. you know, oftentimes again, I'm 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 the cash guy. I'm the cash right. offer guy. I'm always looking for for potential equity. And so when people from the astro community are are evaluating deals, They'll, they'll use my comping guidelines and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll underwrite and they'll say, okay, is this have a potential in it or not? Mm-hmm. Now, right now we're looking at the the state of the market and, you know, sales have slowed. They've mm-hmm. grown into a halt. If you look at the MLS, for instance, you're mm-hmm. going to find there's a ton of houses on there that are sitting there mm-hmm. that are, you know, 30, 60, 90, 120 days on market mm-hmm. sitting, nothing's happening. Right. And, mm-hmm. and if you look at the note, look at the deed of trust, mm-hmm. Or the mortgage that's attached to it you can you can see that they really don't have an opportunity to come down a lot in price right, right. and so would would even if at the listed price right now if mm-hmm. there it's not a short sale right would communicating with with the agent about this converting this into a possible short sale yes. would that
1: be a strategy absolutely absolutely and for a lot of those realtors again they don't want to do the short sales there's some they're fanatics That's like why they're IM. not suggesting it yeah there's some fanatics like I am that will love we want them you know so that's when you just put a bug in there and say look you know what you can get 25% commission out of this and don't have to worry about anything just refer it over
0: so you've got a wholesaler another agent and then you in the deal how how do how do you guys work that all out you do a JV with the wholesaler and the agent does a referral
1: referral, referral, a referral agreement yeah in, incredible man mm-hmm. it's
0: incredible it's a i i have to admit This is an ingenious uh, opportunity and a tool for wholesalers to utilize as they're doing their negotiations, as they're doing their agent outreach, as they're making offers. Uh, Everybody in the flipping community and the thousands of folks that watch these videos, I want you to take note. This man has an opportunity. Don has a tool for you to use uh, when you are approaching these longer listings and, and guys mm-hmm. 2023 is going to be painful yep. it's going to be painful for a lot of people and you have to trade or you have to have access to the tools of pain and, and and it's interesting because i again re-entered the real estate market in 2010 when the after the great recession and and i had suffered through a lot of real estate pain because of the foreclosures and the things that i had gone through economically and i had very much utilized short sale agents and, and the short sell process to get myself back into the game and make money. And and of course, that was in a time of pain, right? And mm-hmm. we're coming into more of that pain. And I believe all of 2023, we are going to be finding more and more of these opportunities. And so, Don, have you created a, a streamlined process on how individuals can work with you in this effect
1: yes absolutely they just need to join my network they can join my facebook group and it's called short sale secrets and i'm just building a network of people that want to uh, take advantage of this strategy so incredible yeah
0: guys we're gonna have the link to the to the facebook group in the description so make sure you guys join that facebook group it'll be not, not only a great opportunity for you to network with other wholesalers within that community but also find best practices and ways to go and cherry pick these opportunities so that you can JV with Don when you are out there doing your outreach. Now, moving on, Don, you had mentioned how to minimize your tax burden. Now, it, <laughs> I, I don't think you quite understand how much I am interested in this topic because uh, I am I'm actually well known for some of my tax situations. Last year I paid uh, over $700,000 in taxes. I'm looking at another $900,000 bill coming around the corner and it sucks. It absolutely is one of the hardest things to swallow when you write a check that size to the IRS. And so I really wanna pick your brain about
1: this. Well, what would you say is the main source of your taxes? What type of taxes are you getting hit on?
0: So when you, well, income tax.
1: No, I know, but I mean, is it is it ordinary income? Is it capital gain? Yeah, it's
0: ordinary income because I I earn as a wholesaler, and so I'm taking all that income as ordinary income for the most part. It's not like uh, you know a capital gain or anything like that. It's ordinary income, so it 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 becomes it becomes problematic.
1: All right. So if I told you that I could show you how you could convert as much as ninety seven percent of that ordinary income into a into a a, a non taxable event, would that be interesting for you? Would that be hundred (laughs) percent? Okay. Um, I was late to this game because I, I, this is, this strategy has been around ever since the U S tax code has been instituted, but only the really, really, really rich people knew about it. And it has to do with a special trust and it is called a non grantor, irrevocable, complex discretionary spendthrift trust. Okay. That's a, that's a mouthful. mouthful, Say it one more time,
0: but say it fast.
1: Kidding. No, just one one, one more
0: time for us. For for those taking notes,
1: non grantor, irrevocable, complex, discretionary, spendthrift trust. Okay. Okay. All of these words are pillars for this trust that have a very uh, vital um, role in, first of all, protecting your assets 100%. This thing is like an iron vault, titanium vault of asset protection. Uh, it cannot be penetrated. Even the eminent domain lawsuits get stopped with this trust if you have your assets in the trust, which is amazing. But the rest have to do with the tax reduction. OK, so I'm going to start with the end. end, end I'm going to have the end of the beginning here. I'm going to tell you what the okay. benefits are. okay, okay. We're using this strategy. Number one, if you have an income prop, if you have income property or if you have any investment that generates passive income and it's in the trust as an asset. That is not a taxable event for you as long as the money is allocated to the corpus of the trust and it is not dispersed to the beneficiaries of your trust. Okay, that's Okay, So
0: so walk me through that. I I, I'm about to buy a house down the road from where I live. I'm going to use it as a rental. I'm I'm buying it in my regular LLC. Are you saying that I should be buying it in the trust instead or can I transfer it later?
1: You can do you can do both. Uh, you you know, you obviously it's, better, you know, if if you want to get the tax advantages, you want it in a trust as soon as possible. But what you can do is you can buy it with your LLC and then turn around and then immediately sell it because it has to be sold, it's an irrevocable trust. You don't transfer assets, you sell them into the trust, okay? So you would then sell it into the trust, it becomes a trust asset, okay? Which however you want to do it, you can do it both ways. Once it is inside the trust as an asset, any rental. Any rental income coming in is not going to be considered a taxable event for the trust. Okay,
0: okay. so let's say I rent the house for, I believe we're going to get around eight to ten thousand dollars a month net in okay. income on that property. Mm-hmm. So it spits out eight to ten grand. Can I use that eight to
1: ten grand? Sure, because it's inside the. You're the trustee of the trust. <laughs> uh, you're the trustee Sorry. of the trust, and you you know you have a hundred percent discretion. That's one of the pillars of the trust, a discretionary trust. So. Okay you use the money inside the trust to make other investments absolutely
0: i can't use it on expenses though
1: you can absolutely okay there's so much more of a wide leeway of what a trust expense is as opposed to what a write-off is with an llc or an s corp or c corp okay have i have a trust myself i would say that Eighty-five to ninety percent of what I do and spend can be considered a trust expense, and not just for a business, but also for family, also for children. I mean, it's amazing how how many th- things the trust can pay for as a legitimate pr- trust expense, and you're paying for that with with the money that is inside your trust that is not taxed. So you're paying for so all this walk stuff. So let me through with,
0: some of these expenses. Like, what could those be?
1: Okay. For example, uh, let's say if you if you um, any, any, let's say your your personal residence is in there. You got your house, right? Trust pays for everything for that. Uh, in vehicles, everything. I can,
0: I can, I can sell my personal res. I, so I yes. own my home free and clear. Yes. I can sell my house to my trust. Mm-hmm. So I no longer own the house now. The trust owns the you
1: house. You control it and you don't own it. Yes. That okay. So that the that trust, ev-
0: trust owns it. Do I, then, so my, um, utilities, mm-hmm. the, um, taxes, yep. insurance, mm-hmm. Uh, landscaping yep. everything the, how about the clean how about my, my cleaners my yep. my
1: all mm-hmm. of it everything is a trust expense paid for by the trust okay for if you have if you have children of uh, uh, younger than 21 everything except for fun is covered as a trust expense education wellness you know tutoring whatever you want it's it the trust pays for it for adults beneficiaries it can pay for anything except what we call the three F's, food, fashion, and fun. Okay. Uh, but anything to do with wellness, I mean, take the wife on a spa, on a spa uh, getaway. That's wellness. That is a trust expense. Uh, you know, uh, you know, like I said, uh, it's very food, fashion, and fun. But then again, there's ways – I've got to show you how you can get money for that too you know, with a trust that uh, you can – even that won't – even, even what's not covered as a trust expense, you can get money from the trust to be able to pay for that, and that's a non-taxable event. This entire strategy is designed around never having a taxable event. And, the trust, and that's just like – there's just one part of it, like I said. The first part is passive income. So that money you're talking about, that $8,000 to $10,000 is coming in as a rental, that's passive income for the trust. And so that comes in, it's not a taxable event. Again, it's in the corpus of the trust. It's not, it's not uh, distributed to the beneficiaries. Now that's in your bank account. You're putting it out for expenses. You're buying more stuff, Whatever investing in whatever you want, it's there. And you're not, you're not gonna check the IRS on that. Second thing is that any trust asset that is sold at a profit, is, and as long as it comes into the – I keep repeating myself because it's important everybody understand this. As long as it's allocated to the corpus of the trust and is not distributed to the beneficiaries, that is a non-capital gains tax event for the trust. So, so no, I
0: donate my home
1: to the trust. You sell it. You don't donate it. You sell it to the I trust. I sell
0: it to the trust, sorry. Yes. I sell the house to the trust. Yes. And then the trust sells the house for, say, $2 bucks.
1: Yes. Let's it say, can't
0: give me the money, but it can be used as in in those expenses as long as it's not food, fun, or fashion.
1: Right. And so, well, it can be used for uh, fun and fa- or food and fashion for the uh, children if you have a minor beneficiaries. But so basically, then what this is is the death of the ten thirty one exchange. Mm. You no longer need a ten thirty one exchange because again, if the investment property is an asset of the trust you just list it or sell it however way you want to get you know you want to consummate the uh, the deal whether you pay commission or not the title company wires the money into your trust bank account and you don't have to pay capital gains on that it's inside the wow yes
0: <clears throat> so let's talk about my income right cuz i i cuz you said i could i can take next. my income and, and and make that a part of the trust so that's
1: next that's the third thing. How does that work? Okay, I'll show you this right now. Okay, so we, as, as I've already shown, is that passive income for the trust will not be considered a taxable event with this trust. Okay, so the challenge for you is we need to convert a ch- a big chunk of your net income, I mean, excuse me, your um, ordinary income into passive income and get it into the trust, and that's what this strategy does. And it's, okay. it's mind-blowingly simple, elegant, and and legal, and it works. Here's what you would do. Okay, so you're going to run your business through through an LLC, right? So that, that's that's the scenario. So what you're going to do is you're going to make your trust a twenty excuse me a ninety percent member of your LLC, a limited member of your LLC. Okay, following me there so far? I am. All right. You're going to sell your LLC's assets into the trust and that's both okay. that's both intangible everything up here and tangible assets they are going to be sold into the trust the trust is going to lease those assets back to your LLC okay okay now you run your business like normal you're going out there you're generating revenue you're writing you know you're, you're uh, writing stuff off you're expensing things out you're deducting what you can eventually you're going to hit uh, you know uh, uh, your pre-tax net income now what we're doing here is essentially we're adding two more expenses to your LLC that's going to move a big chunk of that money over to the trust as a passive income uh, expense for the I mean income for the trust is an expense for the for the LLC the first thing is the lease. Remember, your trust owns your LLC's assets. It's leasing them over now to the trust. Excuse me, to the LLC. So the IRS will allow up to ninety, per, excuse me, seventy percent of a an LLC's pre-tax net income to be used as a lease payment. Okay. So if we have a million dollars of is your is your LLC's pre-tax net income, as much as seven hundred thousand dollars of that can go over to the to the trust as a lease payment. You can do it monthly, quarterly, bi-monthly, whatever, bi-yearly, whatever, however you want to work it. Okay. So then, a huge chunk of your pre-tax and income is going over to the um, trust as a lease payment. Okay. So let's say that we had seven hundred thousand. We've we've moved your pre-tax and income from a million dollars, which would be To three hundred. To three hundred thousand. So we are gonna, just one more expense we have to take care of for your LLC. Remember, the trust is a 90% member of your LLC, a limited member. So now it gets a K-1 distribution of 90% of 300,000, which is 270,000, and goes over to the trust as a K-1. So now your pre-taxed and income has been lowered from a million dollars down to $30,000. That's what you're gonna calculate your taxes on. And the $970,000 went over to the trust as passive income and the
0: trust pays no tax
1: okay because as trustee according to irs code 643 all this passive income that has come into your trust at on your tax report your 1041 you can declare all of that passive income as an extraordinary dividend for the trust and again according to irs code 643 and it's allocated to the trust it's not dispersed to the uh beneficiaries that money is now not a taxable event for the trust.
0: What's the likelihood of getting audited?
1: Uh, this has been around for decades. It is in the tax code. And uh, I tell you, that I work with a law firm that, that is the one that creates this trust. They've been doing it for over 50 years. And I'll be, uh, Janelle, I want you to see this because in 2015, the IRS did uh, produce what they called a private fi- uh, finding letter. For this, for this type of transaction, for this trust, okay, it goes in there. They went through it, the entire trust, and they they have in there saying, you know, the extraordinary dividend, the six forty three, the trust, and so forth, and it's legal. It is absolutely okay, 100% so, legal.
0: So it's legal. Now I got I got a, I got a question about like how how some expenses get paid. So so because I'm super into this. If this sure. if this can work, uh, Don, mm-hmm. you don't understand this. I'm, 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 going to have to like send you money for, for, for this, because like, you don't even understand what this, what this, what this does for me. Okay. Right. Um, I, let's just say my, my monthly expenses are like 40 grand. Okay. Okay. Um, wife buys Amazon, fashion right. Nova, right. blah, 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 blah. Right? right. So, so how do, how does that get, how does that get paid?
1: All right, so let's. There's one. Right
0: now, she's just dumping into the bank account, paying off her Chase. Right. And magically, every month, enough money for her to pay off her credit card shows up.
1: Okay, so remember, you can't. The trust cannot pay for food, fashion, or fun. However, there is another. One other aspect of this strategy that I didn't cover. I'll cover it right now. When you sell your assets into the trust, the trust is not giving you money as consideration. It's giving you a note. Okay. which is basically an IOU, right? Okay. So think about this. Every time you're selling an asset into the trust, it can be a business asset, doesn't it doesn't have to be personal. Every time because it's an irrevocable trust and it has to be a sale, consideration has to be given. So you you the, the value of the asset that you are selling into the trust, the trust owes you that money. Okay? okay. So you're given what they we call it a demand note. I guess it could be called a a, a, a promissory note, however you want to do it. It's kind of like you know, seller financing in real estate for to help people help people better understand it. Okay. So let's say that you have the the you know, and it always it always grows, right? I mean, every asset comes in, that 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 note grows. The trust owes you more and more money. Okay. So whenever you want, you can just say, you know what. I need a hundred thousand dollars for a food, fashion, and fun. The trust will cut you a check and lower your demand note or your IOU by a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, so then, but here's the beautiful thing: that's not a taxable event for you. Why? Because it, it's because it, it it owes you money. It's an IOU. Is is basically but isn't
0: it income for me then?
1: No, it's not. It's not income. So basically. Uh, so, so what you would do is with with the kind of volume you're bringing in, all the all the real estate you're doing. Yeah, so I mean, food, I'll, I'll
0: I'll just lay it out here. Say I, I bring in half a million a month. Yeah. So I I go throw, you know, all ninety percent of that goes to my trust. Right. I look, keep.
1: Look. Let me know, just say. Let me just say that. I'm just. I went. My example. I was going through and showing you the maximums. So what you can do. Obviously, you've got to look at your cash flow situation. And you decide what, you know, what you need. And, and, and if your wife is like my wife who likes to spend money, you know, you got to make sure you can cover all of that as well, right? And so maybe you don't want to put, you know, as much as 97%, you know, percent of your income there. Maybe you want to do 50, you know, whatever it is. But understand that you can, the trust can pay for a lot. But if it can't pay for food, fashion, and fun, and that's a significant, you know, major expense for you. You can mitigate a lot of that by drawing from your demand note but maybe you're going to bite the bullet and you're gonna have to just you know pay that with tax with with post-tax dollars
0: listen if I got to cut a check to the IRS for a hundred two hundred thousand dollars a year I'm happy right I'm I'm, I'm, oh I'm totally okay to send that money goodbye take it tax man I'm cool I've been thinking about moving to Puerto Rico
1: oh you don't have to do that you don't have to do that seriously because I mean, I'm like,
0: this is stupid. Because I got Uncle Sam as my business partner, and he doesn't—he yeah. doesn't do
1: jack. I cannot listen. I am—I am not. Like I said, I mean, I'm not a licensed tax authority. I'm not a legal authority. I, this is so how do you help people do this? Only. Because
0: I'm—I'm your—I'm your client. I'm, okay, like, I'm just saying.
1: I, okay, I—I I, this is for informational purposes only. Okay. Okay. So. You know, I will disclaimer, tell you, we'll put that yeah, if just, for
0: informational purposes. Just, exactly. uh, hey, uh, editor, put that on the screen. Informational purposes. Yes, oh exactly.
1: God. Having said that, OK, I have a trust. All right. I have a CPA who specializes in the trust, serving trust clients. OK. You can significantly lower your tax burden by using this trust and this strategy. You know, I mean, when you told me that, I just went, "Oh my gosh, this guy!" Needs my to- CPA recommended
0: I buy a Rolls. I, you, you don't even understand. I bought a Rolls Royce today. Yeah. For a hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars tax break.
1: Right.
0: I don't even, bro. I have no business driving a car like that. Right. I don't care. Right. I, I'm. I like my. I like my Ford Bronco. It's. It's. It's fun.
1: I now I'm that- going to have
0: a half a million dollar car sitting in my garage because I wanted to save one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars in taxes. Like I, this is stupid.
1: I know. I've been there. I've done that. Trust me. I've done that. I know exactly what you're talking about. And, you know, like I said,
0: I'm uh, pissed it, off now. Of you course, the nice day.
1: thing, the nice thing is you, you the trust had bought it, then the trust pays for all the all the expenses. Can the with trust buy rose. it now? <laughs> sure. Yes. I can, I can sell it to the trust. You sell it to the trust, you get a you get a bill of sale, and now the trust pays for everything. It's a trust expense for everything with that. Every single vet asset that you sell into the trust, the trust is now responsible to pay for. So what happens when I die? Uh, you just – Like this is because I why. eat
0: chicken wings a lot of.
1: them. <laughs> well, so do I. So this is how I have it in my in my trust. The beneficiaries of my trust are my wife, my two adult children, and my grandson. All right. Okay. So my I'm a trustee of my trust. Well, I mean it's not little. It's, you know, theoretically, I mean, let's face it, it's not my trust. I I'm a trustee. So this is of what they the say
0: trust. when they say trust fund baby.
1: Basically, yes. Okay. So I'm
0: gonna ma- I'm gonna have trust fund babies. Yes. Cool. I was. My
1: wife go. will is the tr- is the successor trustee. So when something happens to me, she takes over as trustee. If we go together, let's hope it doesn't happen. But if it does, then my daughter will be the successor trustee, and she'll take over.
0: So, what if what if okay? So I love my wife, but what yeah. if you have what if you don't trust your trustee? Uh,
1: well, then you would not – you would make someone else a trustee a successor okay, a trustee, God, right? I'm just, I'm just
0: – hey, look, there's going to be people watching here being – look, they're going to be side-eyeing that lady beside them or that dude beside them. They're going to be like, hmm.
1: Well, you have – as trustee, you have 100% discretion. You can add and remove beneficiaries at your leisure, at your, at your whim. You control everything, OK? So if you have a beneficiary that's a horse's ass and maybe is on drugs or, or whatever, you can remove that beneficiary. And there's no there's no uh, right of appeal, you know. There's no judge and jury. You are the judge and jury. You say you're out, and that's it. They're gone.
0: Don, how long have you been doing this strategy?
1: Uh, It's been about a year now.
0: Have you had any audit situations come come of it? No, not at all. Do you know of others who have have, who have done it that have been audited?
1: Well, I can tell you this. Remember, I told you about the uh, IRS uh, private finding letter um, ruling. That was done as a result of an issue that the IRS saw in a certain transaction or a certain tax return. And so they went through and basically audited it, okay? And so this was their finding. And so that's when they went through and said, yeah, this is absolutely legal. The trust, excuse me, the, the law firm has been doing this for, like I said, 50 years. And they have defended the trust a number of times. It has never been cracked, it has never been overturned, and it has been ruled over and over that this strategy is absolutely 100% legal, and if there is a situation with that, the the, the law firm will work with your local counsel to defend it to make and and it has, as it has for the last 50 years, not one time has it ever been uh, has the IRS ever won, ever. Man,
0: <coughs> Don, this I I have got to say I I I, I talked to a lot of people. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm i interested by everybody, but I don't think I've ever had a conversation with somebody where I think that they could have made me a million dollars in one conversation.
1: Do you do you think I didn't regret all the millions I was making back in the Great Recession? I did not know about this.
0: <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I, I have I I wish I had a time machine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I talk so much about the taxes because it's exciting for people. But you know what? People underestimate, even I underestimate the asset protection part of it. They can't get, no, they, you cannot penetrate this trust. So you know they can't come after you or your as trustee. They can't come after you and your beneficiaries. They can't come after after your assets. They are in a titanium vault.
0: So so let's say like I, I'm OJ Simpson. That's that's a terrible. No, thing, you know what? Say some...
1: No, no, say OJ. Do you know that? Okay, he, I'm OJ Simpson. Okay, he never paid a dime to the Goldmans. Even though, even though they won a thirty-four million dollar uh, uh, civil suit against him, you know why? Because he put his assets into the trust. He sold them in the trust before he killed them, allegedly, right? And so they could not come after them. They were protected. They, 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 he, he will never pay a dime to them. He's got his assets in a trust like this.
0: I'm mind blown, dude. Yeah. I've always wondered how, how people get into trouble, but then you, like, see them on tabloids and they're eating at Carbone in Miami. It's like, bro, I know that's a $1,000 dinner. Yeah. You know? How are you doing that? Right. You don't have no money.
1: Right. Exactly. And the nice uh, thing you know, is is that, listen, you were talking about Puerto Rico before. I have a uh, a person my, that... One
0: of my very good friends moved his whole entire family. Jerry Norton's in Puerto Rico now with, with, with 30 kids and, and a wife out in Puerto yeah. Rico because— you know, he 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 was he was tired of paying 40% tax. So I think in Puerto Rico he pays like 5.
1: Yeah. I think I think it's 4. But four, um yeah. yeah, so I met with someone recently about I guess about a month ago and you know, he saw one of my TikTok videos and he reached out to me and he says, "Look, I'm stuck here in Puerto Rico and my <laughs> wife told me we move back to the states or we get divorced." Well, yeah.
0: I, 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 I've heard it's a hard place sometimes. You know, it's a big shock. And I, I had the conversation with my wife a few weeks ago, and I was mm-hmm. like, honey, I like you in a bikini. Mm-hmm. I think it would be wonderful if you and I lived in the place where you got to wear them all day long.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Like Puerto Rico. Right. What do you think? <laughs> and she basically said, if, we, if you move me to Puerto Rico, we're, I ain't
1: coming. Right. Exactly. So his wife gave her, gave him the ultimatum, you know, we leave or you, you stay here by yourself. And so he reached out to me, and we were able to get him the trust, and they're moving back. And he's like, man, I wish I would have known about this before. I said, so yeah. you're
0: saving marriages.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're doing God's work.
0: <laughs> Son, I really like you, man. <laughs> you're, you're quickly becoming a... Uh, uh, one of one of my favorite people. Like you know, we, uh, when we when we started, I liked you. Yeah. But as as this conversation is, has progressed, you're becoming one of my favorite folks. So, how does it work? What do I do? How do I how do I in, get involved? Because I'm your client right now. Tell me where to send the check. Yvette, she's she's in the background right now. We don't see her. Um, right. But she's watching and listening. Tell her where to send the check to create the trust. Because I'm ready.
1: Well, we will send you a trust application. Okay. And it, send it to her. She
0: fills out my so application. I'll
1: send it to a- event. the application. You need to know basically four things. You need okay. to let it. And the application asks who is what the name of your trust is going to be.
0: Number one, it's going to be called "Leave Me Alone."
1: <laughs> there you go. Okay. So then you're gonna you're gonna decide who the trustee is going to be. I'm assuming that's going to be you and the compliance overseer, which is the same thing. And then who the beneficiaries are, and then who's the settlor. Because the way this works... The what? The Seth Lord? S-E-T-T-L-O-R. It's... it's Seth uh, Lord. Okay, yeah, okay. Seth I thought you No, not a Sith Lord from Star Wars.
0: Okay, okay. But the
1: okay. um, Seth Lord, <laughs> it's a non-grantor trust. Okay. And you can't... You cannot get any tax breaks if it's a grantor trust. Which means the trustee cannot be the person that opens the trust up. So... Uh, because, because the IRS will think that the trust and you are an alter ego and you'll get no tax advantages. Okay. So it has to be a non grantor trust.
0: So what does that mean? So I need to have somebody uh, I trust come in and do this for me.
1: You just need to have someone we will send, uh, so basically in the application, you put down who the, who the settler is going to be. We're going to use that settler's information to, to get your EIN number for the trust. That person is then going to, is going to officially create the trust is going to name you as the trustee and then that settlor is going to fall on his sword and resign at that point in time
0: and that's legal to happen too because once they say legal. this is like an evasive no, maneuver or something no
1: it is it is standard procedure it's not your
0: alter you're not it's not your alter ego bringing in an, a a non alter no, ego to to no. circumvent the alter ego that's your ego no
1: you are this is absolutely 100% legal that this okay. happens all the time in non grantor trust just somebody else i mean for me it was my it was my neighbor my neighbor did it. So he, um, he formed a trust, named me trustee, and then he resigned. Okay? And so then at that point in time, so you just need to put that information on the application. And then who the beneficiaries are. That's it. That's all you have to do. You send it to us, and then we confirm everything. Well, I'll get to that. It depends on what, it depends on what you're going to do on your um, how sophisticated your business structure is. At, at its core, it's a beneficial trust. It costs $21,500. Okay, Okay. And then now if you have multiple businesses with multiple partnerships, then it's going to be not possible to run everything through that trust. So you'd want to get a business trust in addition. Okay, so it depends not knowing what your what your business structure is. But I but you always want to have the beneficial trust because that's where your asset protection is for your personal assets. And that's where you want the money to flow. Eventually, from whatever business you're doing, if it's, if it's an LLC coming to you, if it's a business trust into you, either way, it's got to go to your beneficial trust. That's where all your, your personal tax uh, advantages are. Okay, A business trust is more like a, you know, you've know, you got maybe four or five different businesses. You have other partners. You have pre-pre preset distributions. That's much better you know, because a business trust can have unlimited DBAs, bank accounts. You run that through the business trust. But the flow of income for you goes into your beneficial trust. Yeah, I, I, have, I have
0: exactly what you just said. I've got multiple businesses, yes. some with partners, uh, actually all with partners. And then my LLC, that is where yeah. the majority of the income comes into. And yeah. then, you know.
1: Yeah, you probably need a business trust as well. but that's... So then
0: there, there's two trusts. So, two so trusts. this will probably cost me, what, 42000
1: Yeah, 42000 And, you know. It's not the IRS. The check's not going to go to the IRS. <laughs> That's for sure. But it's going to it's going to significantly it's going to significantly lower your tax burden, one hundred percent.
0: So, is there a good time in the? So, with the beginning of the year, be should I have done this last year or do I do this now for the in January?
1: You know, my wife is a Russian, and I speak Russian with her. And there's a, the Russians have a saying. I know they're not very popular in the world right now, but they have a saying: the best time to plant a tree is twenty years ago. The second best time is today right so obviously it would behoove you to set this up if you want to move on this to do it as soon as you can so that way you lower your tax burden in 2023 get it set up it, and there's way- no way
0: to do it for 2022 right you it's too late it's too
1: late yeah i mean you, you can't claw back anything i mean you could play around with it with, it, with the k1 but i mean we're at december 14th and it does take about a week or two so, to get this set up you know it, it's not realistic to get Good. to anything back on 2022, but I guarantee you'll be you'll be doing much better in, in 2023. 100 percent. Man,
0: this was great. Yeah, it is. This is a great conversation, Don. I gotta I gotta admit, man, uh, I'm I, I I I learned a lot. <laughs> we all learned a lot today. We learned about how we can help more of the homeowners that we're working with. Yes. Figure out in situations that have negative equity how not to put themselves in a bad spot, but to create an opportunity in in a short sale, it's always better than a foreclosure. Mm -hmm. How you as a wholesaler can participate in that situation, working with Don and his business partner who have been doing this for over 20 years with a five-star rating at the Better Business Bureau. They're highly reputable, and I highly recommend that if you're in one of these situations that you reach out to Don for negotiating those and working Mm -hmm. with, the banks to get that kind of deal done. He has stated that he will JV with you, and he'll also remunerate or pay referral fees to the listing agents or the real estate agents involved in those transactions, so it's a Mm win-win-win. Homeowner, agent, yourself, and Don can all win on a deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you guys do do business, make sure you send me a DM on IG and thank me for introducing you to this lovely man. Uh, In addition, I learned a tremendous amount today about how I've been a fool. (laughs) <laughs> I've been a fool all these years paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to the IRS when there are so many rich people out there who don't live in Puerto Rico that have been figuring out how to mitigate their tax burdens through, say it one more time.
1: Non-grantor, irrevocable, complex, discretionary, spin-thrift trust. And if any of complex out there, it is. But anybody who's amazing out there, yeah reach out to me uh, yeah. Jamil can give you my information and we can talk to you I'll do a free strategy session with you and show you how much we can help you save
0: awesome now for those that are not going to be on a PC where they they're not going to be listening to or looking at the description below why don't you verbally uh, give out your information where people can
1: find you okay well um, I would say this um, I'm a very open person I my phone number has been out for 20 years so I'm just gonna just jot this number down reach out to me and tell say that you know that you you saw this uh, uh, this broadcast you know Gmail's broadcast on his show and just say text me at four zero seven nine zero two seven eight two seven just say hey I saw you on Jamil show I'm interested and I'll text you back
0: guys I highly recommend working with Don if you're making significant money and I've got a ton of astro flipping students that are making well over a half a million dollars a year, guys, reach out to Don. It's worth the twenty one thousand five hundred dollars to create the trust, and stop, stop with the bleeding to the ta- for the taxmen. I, you know, it's funny. I have these conversations. I do a live stream every couple of weeks with tax planners, and nobody, nobody has told me about this yet. I'm so pissed off.
1: Most of them don't. Most of them don't know themselves, you know. But I guarantee you, within two years. I think you. I think no one will use 1031 exchanges anymore because of this. At the very minimum, because why would you want to?
0: Now, does this attorney also prepare my taxes for me every year too? And and no, we have a
1: network of CPAs you can work with. The attorney, the the, the law group, uh, they they um, uh, create the trust for you and everything. All coming from them. We we have a relationship with them. We have a license to promote, sell, and service trust clients, but they're the ones that actually uh you know create the trust for all of our clients incredible Mm -hmm.
0: don it's been a pleasure getting to know you talking with you today and learning learning a lot Mm -hmm. about short sale situations about how to mitigate our tax burdens guys i highly recommend you give don a follow all of his social media contacts will be below his contact information he just gave you but they'll also be below in the description links and guys make sure you go to his youtube channel and like and subscribe to his channel, subscribe to his channel and like his videos and go watch, go listen to what this guy has to say. I mean, listen, I've been doing this business since 2002 and it's really hard to surprise me with information. I'll tell you, I've heard and seen everything except what I heard and saw today. Incredible, Don. It's been a pleasure, Uh, been really enjoyed having this conversation and guys, we will see you again here on my YouTube channel and like and subscribe to my channel if you haven't already Jabroni until next time <laughs> later
1: well thank you very much you know that was great that was awesome that was
0: phenomenal man yeah phenomenal phenomenal yeah. really good really good you're going to you're going to get a ton of folks reaching out to you well on this that'd one be this great night. Yeah, you 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 literally blew my mind, and I'm going to be your client. So uh, okay. look out for that. Your vet's going to reach out to you, and we're going to get a trust started. Let's go. Yeah, Let's absolutely. Do it.
1: You need to you need to get two the business trust and the and the beneficial okay. trust. I'm in. And Deal. then uh, I'm telling you, we're going to talk this time next year, maybe maybe 2024 early. You're going to be blown away by how much money I'll bring you to back. I'll bring, I'll
0: bring you back on here, and we'll do a whole follow-up, and yeah. we'll talk about what happened for me and yeah. how this all worked out and, and, and all the things. I, I, I appreciate it a lot, dude. Yeah, Very, it's, great. it's, Very it's great. a
1: game-changer. So awesome. I will look forward to it. But thank you again. It was great. Thank you, brother. All right. Bye.